it's hard to have to answer to someone to say, oh, actually, like that thing that we talked about, this came up in the creative process. Like, how would you feel about going in this direction instead? I think that there's a lot of pressure to not do that. Like, you make the plans, you have the budget, now just go execute. But that's not what creativity is. You can't just follow a linear path. There are ways to do this in a more compelling way than just using a video, although video works. But it's not about how you get to that point. It's agreeing upon what you want people to take away from the experience that they're getting from the content. That's the creativity piece. And what's so cool about that is, not only is it more meaningful for the person who's consuming it at the end, but it's more meaningful for you as the creator. Of course the work is going to be better when it is fueled with emotion because then you're really, really invested in what you're doing. It's not just a project, you're, you have a reason behind it. There's no right or wrong, there's just you. There's just your creative process. And what that is for you is really what's, what's right, not necessarily what people in charge define is what's right. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media, at Pod4Creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I just watched another documentary, believe it or not. <laughs> and I feel like I've been watching so many lately. So it's getting hard for me to say like, oh, this one's my favorite. This one's my favorite. But I think that this one checks a lot of boxes. Not only is it very well produced, which has become really important to me now. Now that doesn't it right. Like, remember, like before you got in the documentaries, like I'll speak for me. Everything was either like. If it's a documentary, they're all the same. Yes. But now that I watch them and we talk about them more, we've done episodes on them, like there are really good ones. And then they're like, what are you kidding me? Get the heck out of here. I'm not watching this. Like it's like there are bad documentaries. Like there are levels of them based on the production value. Ken Burns used to be so special because he was doing something that was different. And they they are still great. I mean, I feel like he's kind of in his own category when it comes to documentaries, but those other older ones, like I watched one last night about uh, Casablanca and it was just mm. talking heads with black backgrounds or, you know, maybe if it, there was a part that got a little sassy, it was like a guy sitting on a stool. <laughs> that was the most dynamic thing that they did in this documentary. Sitting on a stool. How did a stool become a symbol of sass? Like that was like, that's what they like associated it with. <laughs> exaggerating i mean oh he wasn't sit there wasn't it, a no, stool. no 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 he was on a stool but i'm saying in comparison to just having a plain black background oh okay yeah all right and it wasn't widescreen too so that was very distracting there are just certain parts of it that you notice now that are just you can't you can't put up with it yeah so anyway this one that i really love is not that it is the opposite of that is it is no stools. No stools. No people sitting on stools. It is the Imagineering story on Disney+. Plus. You do not have Disney+. Plus. 
I do not have Disney Plus. If you did, we yeah. would have talked about it by now. I know we would have. Yeah, right. But I'm, it's uh, coming. But, <laughs> well, it's well, it's. I feel like I'm on the spot right now. Uh, there's been some chatter um, yeah. about uh, pulling the plug, and um, oh, this we've kind of some... documented your yeah, oh, both I... of our journeys with content providers. People are talking in the house. <laughs> People are talking, and uh, it seems like we're uh, we're we're itching closer to doing this come uh, around the first of the year or so. So, yeah. So yes. So I mean, I want to hear about this and this whole take on this. But yes, uh, it might be coming. Cool. Well, I, I I'll, I'll try not to ruin too much for you because, I mean, I know that there's a lot of children's programming that will be good to watch with you know as a family and with your son, but. Um, this is definitely something that I would recommend for anyone who is creative or anyone who just likes watching documentaries that are well produced. So this is a it's only a six parter, six part series, and it's taking an in-depth look at the history and the creation of the Disney theme parks and attractions. So this is not about the movies is, at all. This is right up your alley, isn't it? Like that's why I said checks a lot of boxes. Like yeah. not only great documentary, but like it's about creatives. It's about Disney creatives. 100% match. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this huge. is like, you know, when all these like Netflix say like, oh, we're recommending this for you. This is at the top of the list. I approve of this recommendation. So yeah, no, I was just inspired in so many ways from what I've seen so far. And there are still two left because they're doing the annoying old school thing of like rolling these out one week at a time. I've heard, yeah, they're doing that with the Mandalorian. Yep. I heard that uh, that's the, been the, the, the process that they're following with these yep. things. So, but it's been nice because I've enjoyed these so much that I have watched all of them twice so far. So it's given me the opportunity to, re to revisit them and, you know, catch the things that I missed the first time around. But it just got me thinking about what I thought would be a great topic to talk about. And that's creative freedom, because mm. In these stories, you're seeing the history of when the first park was built in 1955, Disneyland in California, um, up until the present, but I've only gotten as far as um, around 2005. But what has been very interesting and apparent are the success, and you're seeing the successes happen and peak when the Imagineers are given complete creative freedom and you're seeing the downturns of the company when they're bringing in management that is all about just money and the bottom line and are saying like, okay, we need to like cut back on, on new projects and what you're doing. So mm. just to give two little examples during, you know, the era when Walt Disney was alive, it was him and his brother, Roy. Obviously, they built Disneyland, and that was a success. And before Walt passed away, they at least had the plans for Walt Disney World in Florida and at least the beginnings of Epcot, and then Roy was able to carry that out. And that was really such a time of prosperity for the creative teams, for these Imagineers. And then after Roy passed away, they kind of like lost their their champion, and not a lot happened until the next two guys came in in, I think it was 1984, they started. Michael Eisner, who you may have heard of before. Yep. And his partner was Frank Wells. He was kind of the the Roy of that relationship, more of the, the money guy. But the two of them, 
that was probably my favorite episode so far. It's called The Midas Touch, and it just talked about the resurgence in the company, and it was so cool to hear all of the projects that these Imagineers worked on. Most of them were developing theme parks because they started building them in Asia, but also just building attractions within Disneyland and Disney World and hearing them say things like, they just let us play. And they said, like, do whatever you want. And hearing the excitement in their voice when they said, you know, like Michael Eisner would like show up to their their workspace, basically, which was like back, like no one knew where it was, like in like a, you know, a baseball hat and a t-shirt and was just like so excited to hear their ideas and to be involved in it. And after their era kind of ended, sadly, spoiler alert, Frank Wells passed away. After that happened, it was like everything kind of crashed. And I was like, wow, I mean, having leaders who believe in you, having leaders who let you run with ideas and give you space to fail and to mess up, because that was like, they talked about that so much, like throughout all of these documentaries, like, we tried this like a million different ways. And you see things like crashing and blowing up. But like, that is, that's part of the artistic process. And I think that if you're not a creative, and I mean, even some creatives don't, don't believe that that's a part of the process. But sometimes it's so hard to convince the people who are like, in quotations, in charge, that you should leave space to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. And I think you hit upon something with it being part of the process, because, you know, so much of what we experience today in content is the final product of everything. It washes over us and we consume it immediately and we break it down and dissect it. And how does this feel? And how does this, but what's lost in that process is all the steps that were taken to get to that. We don't really see that. So on the receiving end of it, in this creation content creation world, there's this inherent pressure. There's a pressure that exists that I got to create something that's good. I got to create something that's perfect. I got to create something that's going to hit every note that's right. And it kind of zaps the creative process out of it because you're, 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 you're crafting for right. Um, as opposed to process. Um, and I think sometimes it's not, there's no right or wrong. There's just you. There's just your creative process. And what that is for you is really what's what's right. Not necessarily what people in charge define is what's right. When you put a cap on that, you tend to lose some of that. Absolutely. And I think also in that process, oftentimes you'll think you're starting off doing one thing and it'll turn into something else. And it's hard to have to answer to someone to say, oh, actually, like that thing that we talked about, this came up in the creative process. Like, how would you feel about going in this direction instead? I think that there's a lot of pressure to not do that. Like, you make the plans, you have the budget, now just go execute. But that's not what creativity is. You can't just follow a linear path. Yeah. Uh, One of our favorites, and we've talked about her on the show before, Jess Smith has a line about how, you know, forget, you know, forget, you know, people always talk about um, thinking outside the box. And she always talks about like, you know, forget that 
um, forget the box. Like creativity is, is when you realize there are no boundaries. And like, to me, that is sort of what we talk about, at least on a personal level with my creative, my, my video team is, is, you know, we know what, how we want to do it. We know the elements of what makes a good story, but how you want to tell that is really up to you. Um, there's one videographer I work with who, um, I, I would say it's, it's not a fault, but one of her, her hangups sometimes is comparing what she's working on to something that she's done prior. That was really, uh, you know, just a kick-ass project. And, you know, she'll lament like, well, it's, it's lacking this, that this thing had. And, and there's these constant conversations that we have about like, okay, you can't compare this to something else because this is a completely different process. And the, and the path that you're going to follow along the way is different. You might have the skill set, you know, the same skill set, but the path you're going to find to that story is going to be completely different. So take the path, let it lead you to where it's going to go. And don't worry about what you've done in the past, because it really has no correlation on this specific project. Isn't that interesting that we need to, even when it's just us, we need to give ourselves that creative freedom too. And I feel like I am equally as guilty. I can relate so much to that story. You know, obviously comparing yourself to other people, comparing yourself to past projects that you've worked on. And I feel like for me, it's not, I put myself in a box. I, I feel like I put limitations on not so much like what I think I'm capable of, but probably like what I'm allowed to do as a small business owner. It's really important for me to have a, a strongly defined brand, but sometimes I want to do things that are outside of that. And um, as we talked about in our last episode with Carly, there are ways of doing things that are new and dynamic and kind of outside of what people expect from you. And you can still do that because it's you and you're going to do it in your way. And that is the brand. Right. Um, a brand by definition is really like it's what you stand for. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily what your 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 projects look like. You know, it doesn't you know, I, I mean, there was a while where like, you know, we have evolved as a company, but our, my organization builds websites. And there was a while where you could pull up a website and go, that's, that's ours. That's ours. That's ours. Cause they all had the same look and feel to it. And we've sort of evolved and changed and tried a few different things along the way. But like, I don't think anybody looks at something that you design and says like, well, that's a Michelle. Well, that's a Michelle. Like, you know, but, but there's certain things in the work that you do that ladders back to, what you believe in and what you stand for and what you carry with you every day. That's the brand. Mm -hmm. In your experience as a creator, do you feel like you're, I said that really weird as a creator. I I was trying to, it's a French creator. I feel like I I want to ask you two different things. I want to ask you from the perspective of leading a creative team, but also from the perspective of, of being under management directions, whatever, um, like kind of like how tricky, this is a slippery slope. I've gotten in trouble with this kind of question before. (laughs) Be careful how you ask this. Well, maybe you just want to answer this from being a leading a, a creative team. Um, I mean, even when you're, when you're leading, you still have things that you have to do. You still have a message that you have to get across. How do you instruct your team and, let them run and play and mess up, but also stay on track to to execute on what your final product needs to be. Yeah, I think we have to have a you know we have to have a vision, and um, 
with our creative team, specifically with video, we had a conversation about a, a couple of years ago. We had a conversation about how we want to transform how we're doing um, video storytelling. And a lot of it was in quite literally telling stories, not necessarily just going out and shooting a video and, and here's what happened and now we go, but building something that makes you feel connected to it. And we talked a lot about storytelling. We talked a lot about what makes good stories. And all I wanted to get that group of people in the room to buy into was that concept, that everything that we do has an emotional pull to it. How we get there is up to you. And I would never, and to this day, I mean, if I've done this, I hope someone on our team who listens to this will call me out on it. But to this day, I have never squashed a creative concept if the creator felt that it was the right approach to take based on his or her outlook at the story and the opportunity. You believe it's right? Go there. As long as we agree upon the theory of what we're trying to accomplish, however you get to the finish line and what you believe is right as the creator, it's up to you. Um, because that's where the trust comes in. Because they need to know that I have their back and I can't do that by selling them on a concept and then micromanaging the concept. It has to be, okay, we agree upon the direction, or we agree upon the theory and principle, awesome, now go create. Because that's our brand. Our brand is, you know, we want to stand for good emotional stories and telling them effectively. How you do that is up to you. I can definitely see that. I, I, I believe you because I feel like anytime I throw an idea your way, you're like, sure, <laughs> it sounds good. I mean, there are, th there are certain <laughs> things that like, I, I, I think like there are certain things that, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily like four. And you'll but, tell me that if. But, but I, and, and, and that does, and I'm not saying from a creative concept, I'm talking about like, you know, somebody comes with a, with a concept for a video and it doesn't really necessarily fit in the flow of a video or what would make, you know, like it feels like we're just doing a video because video is cool as mm -hmm. opposed to saying like, you know, there's a better way to tell this story. Mm -hmm. Um, I might push back at something like that, but I'm not going to kill an idea that's that we agree upon the the content type, the channel we're going to be working on, and the story. How you want to tell that story is 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 in the is is in the eye of the creator. What would happen though if someone on your team said, "I think we should put this on IGTV." <laughs> um, we'd have a we'd have to have a conversation about that. I did see something today, though, that I, I thought of you related to IGTV, that um, when you go to the Explore tab at Instagram, IGTV content is like four times larger than any other like image content that would appear in, in your feed in the Explore tab. So my mind goes to like, OK, they're forcing this this stuff down your throat, which, again, proves my point that IGTV is useless. But there might be some people out there who interpret that as like exactly the opposite, which is like it's four times bigger, more opportunity, more exposure. Like we got to do more of this, which is, I'm sure is what Instagram wants you to do. But uh, I still stand firmly on the other side of the ring that it's a it's useless. I, I personally am surprised that it's still around, that it still exists. But I would love to hear from 
our audience because we're we, I mean we ha- I feel like we have discussions about IGTV all the time and they're not arguments because I'm not I feel like you are like so adamantly against it and I'm more neutral where I don't personally use it I don't watch it but it's still there so I know that it's there for a reason and I'm just kind of curious what that is but if you guys are listening to this send us a message on social media at pod for creatives and let us know, do you watch IGTV? Because someone's watching it. If it's still out there and we want, we want to know, we want to know if it's you guys. And I'm talking about actively going to watch it. Not but sometimes when they're in my feed, I'll start watching it, but I'll never go to click to like watch the remainder of it. Cause I think it stops after a minute and a half or something like that. I'm talking about actively clicking on the IGTV button and scrolling through just like you would on YouTube. I'm putting this, I'm, I'm actually putting a poll together right now. Oh, okay, great. And then if, also if you're listening to this well after this poll is posted, still, we want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, we still want to hear your thoughts. And we'll... So what do, we, what do we want to ask? Do you, do, you, do you consume content on IGTV? Do you like IGTV? Yeah, I guess those are two different questions. Uh, I, I'm more personally like interested in hearing if people consume content on it because I don't care if people like <laughs> you just don't like it, which I don't get. <laughs> I cannot like something. I, mean, I know I, you I cannot just, like something, but it's, I it's feel like you right irrationally you know I don't, don't like? like it. Okay. But here's the thing. The whole concept behind it is because people got tired of fitting content into a minute into into 60 seconds. So IGTV comes along this brand new thing, right? And now you can put up what well, how how long does it go up to? 10 I minutes I think or something like that. I think like longer that. than that. 15 minutes whatever the number is. You could put up longer form content, whichever okay, great. You could put up longer form content except it shows up in your feed and you get a minute and how long? Minute and what? 15 seconds? Maybe. Argument's sake, a minute and 15 seconds and then you get a plug that says to watch the whole thing, go here. I don't want to leave my feed. Yep. And no, I think most I, people don't want to leave the feed because we have been programmed as a social community con as, as a social community to not leave our feeds. So now I'm creating content that I can't even guarantee that people are going to consume the whole thing beyond a minute and a half. How is that worth my time? Yeah. I really better have a good, like trusting relationship with my, my followers to do that. I'd much rather come up with, content that's meant for the platform it's being consumed because I don't think people are clicking on the IGTV button on Instagram. I couldn't even find it when I went to look for it the other day. Kind of my point. So either you're in story form and that content should really be made for story form. Don't make me go swipe up or don't make me leave to go to click the link in the bio or whatever. Like let me consume the content there or in the feed itself. And that's my gripe with IGTV. It seems like it's being shoved down our throats and I'm not sure that it's worth its time. I rest my case. I, I'll have one one thing to add to that just to back you up. I have kind of a different thing that annoys me about it. And that is, it is contrary to what their, what all social media is. Like you said, like staying on, staying in your feed, staying on the platform. And phones are for or the way I use my phone anyway, anyway, I am, I'm hopping around. I'm on the feed. I've got three different Instagram accounts and I'm flipping back and forth between all three of them. And I'm on Twitter and, you know, mail and texting. If I want to watch something for an extended period of time, I'm going to do that 
on my TV or sometimes my laptop. But yeah, they, like there's I'm never going to stay on something for longer than maybe 30 seconds. And I think that's the problem. The fact that they feel that I feel like they're 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 tweaking the way things are laid out in the explore tab to feature IGTV stuff tells me everything I need to know. Nobody's using it or it's not worth the investment. Mm -hmm. Cause if it were worth it, it'd be ubiquitous to the, to the, to the app, to the experience. Remember when Facebook threw stories up at the front, at the top of the thing and nobody was using stories on Facebook and we had, we might've had a conversation at a previous episode about like, how could they be featuring something so scarcely used sparsely used not used a lot Mm -hmm. at such a premium real estate in the app at the top of the feed when nobody is using no but it's done that way to grain to to draw attention into it all right great question about that because i don't really use the facebook app on my phone very often are they still doing that because i've noticed yes they're still doing okay because now they're they're they've kind of made it easier or the, the or the default to share your Instagram stories automatically to Facebook and I didn't have exactly. it I didn't have it set up before but since it's there I'm like yeah sure you can put it on Facebook if you want there but that's the thing like I, I make decisions based but we're going to get back to this this topic <laughs> of creative freedom in a second but I I make decisions based on like what I mean I I don't share a hell of a lot on Facebook anymore mm-hmm. but I make most of my decisions based on like what fits, what am I taking that fits the platform that it's being posted on, even in a personal life, like even in my personal life. Um, and maybe that's a problem or maybe that's a a force of habit. Even that small act of share it to Facebook. I mean, we crucify people when they tweet links out to Instagram photos. Mm -hmm. Right. And I understand they're two separate platforms. That's a really fair point. But now all of a sudden, even though Facebook and Instagram are, I mean, Instagram is owned by Facebook. Like, share it to Facebook stores. Why? Because no one's using them there because Instagram figured it out. Like it just bothers me when you think about the games that are being played and how they're setting things up just to get you to take note of something. If it were good, you would take note of it. If it were useful, you would take note of it. You would be using it. I I just, I mean, I'm sure I'm not looking at the entire picture clearly. I'm sure there are plenty of brands. You yourself have had success with IGTV in terms of viewers and people paying attention to it. So it's not fair to knock it completely. However, I do feel like in the grand scheme of things, there's very few people in the day-to-day paying attention to IGTV. I have to read you something. I I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. I'll do this live on the podcast. I'm going into my Michelle Hickey Design Business Facebook inbox, and hopefully I'm not going to embarrass the person who sent this to me because I'm not I'm not quite sure who it is. I've never heard from them before, so I won't say the name. And I never get messages here. So I got this message pop up, and this is what the message says. And tell me if you know what this is referring to. I thought you were going to say, tell me if I know who asked this question or who sent you No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, so this this was the entire message. And this is me trying to get in my front gate as my bloody mother keeps feeding the birds. It's freaking terrifying, dot, dot, dot. I need trauma counseling. So I get this message and 
obviously I think it's spam because I have n- I don't recognize this person's name. I've never gotten any other messages from them before. So and weird. I'm like, what is there like a mental issue? Like what like, do they send <gasps> this to the wrong person? Something has to be going on here. And then I made the connection. Is this ringing any bells for you? I'll I'll point out the the word that might help you. Birds. Hitchcock. Yes. So did you see my story that I posted a few days oh, ago? Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So the birds on where are you on the beach? Yeah. So they were... had a, I had a family <laughs> good shot at that being what your story was about. <laughs> so there were yeah there was an unusual amount of birds on the beach the other night when I was out there and I took a little video and I posted and compared it to the, you know, the movie, the birds. And I hit that button that said, you know, just throw this up on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And she must've saw it and was responding to that. But I have no indication that that's what she was responding to in the way that you would see in your, if someone responds to a story in Instagram, you're able to make that visual connection as to like what they were referring to. This is just, this right random there. random message. message so this is this is um i guess why you don't post to facebook i just yeah <laughs> i i but you just did it i also see oh and the story did it go to the story it's the first thing that's in my feed is Son of a <laughs> freaking game the system on me it's 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 the default i think you have to like go out of your way to undo it to get it posted there that stuff that's so it's so facebook to do that it is but like at the same time it's not other than i mean if unless you count a message like that being harmful i don't think it's harmful per se you're on facebook and you get a question that says are you using are you looking at igtv stories i suppose you could answer it if you're on instagram i'm I'm, but like it just doesn't fit like I, I guess my point is, is that like even when we announce podcast episodes, right, when we when we drop an episode, like the content on Facebook is different than the content that we post on Instagram because it's meant to be form fitted to the platform in our in our in our point of views. And I'm sure the people who are listening to this, who, who run their own brands, who create content might vary and differentiate the content. It's the same idea. Like I just I don't like. I don't like being backed into doing something. And I understand you can change the default, but just because they're trying to get FaceTime for stories or IGTV or whatever. So just seems like dirty pool. So you're saying you don't you f- don't feel free to create in the way that you want to because of the way that these social platforms are pushing their agenda. I'm trying That's to bring right. I'm trying to bring this back to make it sound like it's relatable to the topic that we came in here with. But this is this is part of it. I mean, if we had this topic in mind, if it morphs into something else, I'm we're always cool with that and we've definitely Sure. Started off with one thing and ended You've up gone in a down some place. paths before. Yeah. You've gone down some paths. <laughs> but yeah. So you had asked me back before, though, if we take a, a step back here mm-hmm. about like, because um, the, the create, I think when, 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 you know, our similarities, you and me with, with being creators is, or, or creatives rather is, is that in my case, like I oversee a team of creatives, um, and we work together and we you know, conceptualize and we do things like that. But like I'm also working with districts who, you know, want to have certain projects created based around something. And 
some of them are not necessarily the most creative people and you're taking ideas, you get an idea and you have to kind of like say, nope, that's not going to work. Here's why. And then they can't understand why their idea can't work. And I think that's where it goes back to the Disney connection where it's, you know, you're being hamstrung or forced to, to be in a, go in a direction or do something or have something taken away because of other needs and wants of, of the client. And that can be really restricting and it could really kind of harm the work um, and ultimately not land with the audience because you're being hamstrung that way. And I think the worst part about all of that is, is that it can be years before people look back on it and are able to say, okay, this is where we messed up because we were so stuck on doing it this way. And by that point, I mean, you can learn from your mistakes, but by that point, you probably have a new creative team and you're working on, on different things. So how have you like, but how have you confronted that in your, in your field? Like, you know, we've had conversations, you know, we've done episodes on, um, you know, dealing with, dealing with, you know, criticism and, and, you know, so how do you, how have you handled somebody from a, you know, position of power, either constricting your work or forcing you to do something in a way that isn't necessarily within your creative feel, um, and deliver a product that might kind of like, okay, it's fine or okay, it's, it's this or okay, it sucks, but it definitely wouldn't be what I would have done with this. Are there ways in your, in your mind to handle those kind of conversations to maybe start to kind of chip away at that? I don't really have a lot of experience in this area. I was trying to kind of rack my brain and I, because for like, honestly, for me, like I have always, I, I have, one thing that has, has helped me in these, in these moments is to always come back to the why, like there are always going to be creative differences about the product and where people want to go with something. I don't feel like there's ever been a moment where it's just like, we're going to do this and this is what you're going to get and everything's going to be great. And the person goes, okay, usually there's a hang up. There's a, there's something that gets tweaked or there's massive changes and, and you know, you're left with whatever you're left with. But when it's up front and you know that there's disagreement. I always try to come back to the why, like, why are we doing this? We always get hung up on what it's the, what that everybody gets hung up on. It's, you know, well, we need to deliver this. We need to do a video. We need to do a the social piece. We need to do a whatever. video. I hate right. that. That's right. <laughs> right. And, 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 and that's the tool, right? That's, that's, that's the end game. That's the delivery method that we're choosing. But why are we doing this? More, more importantly, why are you, the company, the brand, the client, doing whatever it is we're, we're, we're telling a story around? How does that ladder back to your, what you want people to know you for? Because I think when you can get people to agree upon the why, what they stand for as a brand, then you have common ground. And then you're able to kind of say, okay, we agree upon this. This is what we, we, we know to be the truth. Now you have an audience that either needs to know this. So we have to go about that a certain way, or your audience already knows this about you and you're trying to reinforce this. So maybe there's a way that we go about telling that, but instead of, cause I think it's easy to get hung up again also on the what, where it's like telling people what we do. 
And it's never about what we do because that's very forgettable. It's again, it goes back to why we do what we do. And that's where I've started to see some model of success where it gets away from telling everybody and their brother, our brand, you know, our district does this or our, our, our division does this. And it really gets back to why we do what we do, because the answer to that is we believe in these kids and that's a powerful feeling or these kids inspire us. And that's a powerful feeling. Every why has a feeling off of it. And that's ultimately what you want to leave your, your, your customers with your consumer with is that, is that experience of, of a feeling. Um, and those are often best told in stories. So I, I have always felt that when you're up against uh, a rock and a hard place and a creative difference with a client or a company that you're working for or with, um, bringing it back to the why and trying to have common ground on the why allows you to start to build off of that as opposed to coming into it with this is what you would do versus this is what they want to do. Because right off the bat, you're not you're not operating on the same playing field. Have you found it easier to communicate that to people? Because I know that you've had to do that. <laughs> it seems that you've had to do that um, quite a bit in your career. So, I, And I feel like in the time that I've been following your professional career that you've, I guess, become more confident in, in feeling so passionately about that and then being able to communicate it better. You ever believe in something so much you see it so clearly that you can't understand why other people don't see it as clearly as you see it. That's where I am in my career right now. And that might be the most pompous statement that I can make. And, and maybe some people take it that way. But when you, when you believe in something so much that it's so apparent to you, the easy thing to do is to say to somebody like, you know, dummy, why don't you see it this way? But Okay, you can't do that. So, yeah, there are there are times where I feel like you all you have to lead people to that point. And um, a recent example of this is I had someone I work with come to me and talk about wanting to do a video project for they they had some um, they had a capital project passed where they got these brand new innovative centers and buildings on their campus and they wanted to kind of showcase the spaces to the community. And I was just like, okay, well, that's certainly an idea. Um, but here's the, here's the reality of this. Your community paid for the spaces already. Like they, they, they voted yes to approve this project to allow this space to be built. You built this space and now it exists. They know that they okayed the space. What you need to tell them now is how the space is benefiting the kids and what the kids are getting out of the space that exists. And it's not about saying, look at this building and look at that building that's going to allow for this. It should be happening now. What is this space doing? So if you have these science centers, get me kids that want to be scientists. Get me kids that want a career path in science that might have a scholarship to a university in, in, in the science field and get them talking about their career aspirations, their passions, what matters to them and how the foundation is built here. That's powerful. That's – I said because right there you have taken – what you what you believe in, which is, you know, innovation, you know, that's one of your pillars in your district. And you have connected a social concept, you know, what's going to end up being a social piece of content, a social concept to that goal or to that pillar. That's and it ladders back perfectly like you have built that out completely. So it's not about the space. It's about the why. It's about why we're here, not about what we did. 
but why we're here. So a lot of the conversations I have with people, again, not to be redundant, but it does. It relates back to why you're doing what you're doing. Don't worry about the the, the tool that's used to deliver it. You could tell that story just as impactful. It could be just as impactful by taking photos of this student in the lab that are that are set up perfectly and asking the kid four or five questions and threading their answers together and having a great quote graphic. That go- there are ways to do this in a more compelling way than just using a video, although video works. But it's not about how you get to that point. It's, it's agreeing upon what you want people to take away from the experience that they're getting from the content. That's the creativity piece. And what's so cool about that is not only is it more meaningful for the person who's consuming it at the end, but it's more meaningful for you as the creator. Of course, the work is going to be better when it is fueled with emotion, because then you're really, really invested in what you're doing. It's not just a project. You're, you have a reason behind it. Yeah. Right. That, that makes it special. And I think that's where you can really, you know, you get, you get filled with pride when it works, when Mm -hmm. it makes the connection, when it lands, because you know, the elements of what you wanted people to know about your brand are being consumed. You know, they're feeling that it's left with a feeling it's customer relations. Everything seems to go back to customer relations and customer experience. The more I think about it, the more I realize that customer service and maybe not customer service in the framework of like answering a phone, but customer service and experience of giving people what they want, what they're looking for, what you want them to feel about your brand. I mean, that's always been the definition that I've said to, to clients setting up social media presences, which is, is that whatever you want people to think and feel about your brand, that's the content that you want to continue to create. Whatever those pillars are, that's what you want people to realize. So it becomes a lot more focused when you look at it that way, um, as opposed to, God, I got to fill up this space and I don't know what I want to, how I want this to sound. It's a little bit more focused that way. I jotted down. Post-it note. My version of a post-it note. Um, projects we've worked on that have given us total freedom. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's really like everything that I've done, but mostly the podcast and mm-hmm. writing now writing this book. I would say probably the podcast, definitely the podcast. Um, but because it's a level of trust, you know, that's an element that we really didn't kind of explore in the conversation too, is trust plays a huge role in this. If you don't trust the people you're working with, it, you 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 will never have the creativity the, the creative freedom that you you desire and the person who's getting the product at the end is not going to be happy with what they're getting because it, it's it's going to be this push pull that it's it's doomed to fail from the get go and that's why i say it's so important to agree upon what you're trying to why you're trying to do what you're trying to do from the beginning because once you have that common ground then you can start to build out from 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 there so i think what makes the podcast stuff work so well is that there's a level of trust that exists. I know when you create, you know, or when you edit an episode, it's going to be exactly what we want it to sound like. And I know that when you, you know, select graphics and you create graphics for our social presence, like it's going to be exactly how we want people to consume it and feel it. Um, and I'm sure it's the same way if I can be so bold as when I'm cutting video <laughs> that, you know, I'm going to not make you sound like an idiot or, you know, do a video or use unflattering or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. For instance, just picking an example out of thin air. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But yeah, I mean that, that trust exists. It's hugely important in a creative relationship to establish the trust between the brand, the client 
and the person doing the create the the the, the creating um, creativity. Yeah, I've had actually had a similar experience in working with the editors that I do freelance work with. So they're you know writers and editors, and I do the design uh, for these magazines that I work on, and they give me so much freedom and. Maybe that just comes as a result of us working together for so long. I mean, we worked together now for for over 10 years, but basically they rarely will tell me to change something like they just give me the content and I design it and they say like, looks good. But in those small instances every once in a while where they may suggest something or, you know, because of the client that we're working with, something needs to change. It's like no questions asked. And I feel like it's the same way when you and I work together because we give each other so much freedom and we trust each other so much, we know that if we're bringing something up, you're going to respect that person's opinion and you're not going to be all defensive and saying like, oh, like you never, you don't understand me or you don't, you know, you don't get what I'm trying to do here. I am in awe of people who can do something that I can't do. It doesn't matter what it is. There's a level of just like, wow, that's really cool. And what you do I cannot do. And you've done some. Give yourself a little credit. All right. Well, we don't have to do this now. But uh, <laughs> you, like, you, <laughs> you get the idea. Um, like, I, 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 but I think that that's like that's a welcome quality when you're in this creative partnership, whether or not it's between creatives or whether or not it's, you know, the client and the creative is the genuine respect that like what they can do, I can't do. And I might have something that I want to, I want to do something with, but I'm going to entrust you, you, you creatives to basically bring that to life and to deliver that. I think it's the absolute worst when you're working with somebody who's, who's not on the creative team. That is that one person who, you know, took a design course in college or, you know, my favorite in the social media world is everybody tells you about how, you know, how social media is because, you know, they're all on social media, so they get it. That to me is the most frustrating part about working in social media is, is that everybody thinks that they understand it because they're on it. it, it no, no, you know, no. And I, I think sure, that's just where... insult our entire audience. It's cool. <laughs> that's not true. I mean, I think people who are on this, obviously, if they're building brands are certainly looking at it from the standpoint of what's going to matter for their audience. But yeah, like it, it's, you know, it just rubs me so raw when, 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 you know, somebody's giving creative feedback on something, how it needs to look, or, you know, maybe we can add this graphic to this. Cause that would be add really cool. And it's like, yeah, right. Yeah. Can you make this look, what was it? Can you bring this to life a little bit more or something like that? Um, yeah, it's just, it, it you gotta trust if, if you're going to enter into a partnership, there's gotta be trust. If you don't trust the people that you're bringing in, find new people. Don't micromanage the process. Find the people that you believe can handle the job. Yeah. Oh, that's like such a great piece of advice. Such a great piece of advice. Because you can't, if you're annoyed with the person that you're working with, the chances of you changing them are very slim. Right. So either your opinion of them has to change or you need to figure out a different person to work with that you jive better with. There's a there's a great Seinfeld joke from the I'm telling you from the last time when he's talking about, you know, the, the, you know, women are always talking about their boyfriends and or their husbands. And they're just like, no, this he's different. I'm working on him. Yeah. He's getting better. And he's like, no, he's no, not. He's not. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he's fooling you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
it's exactly the same thing. It like it, you're not going to make this better. You're actually going to make this worse because people are going to start revolting. You have you have this incivility in the relationship. More people are apt to stop caring about the product because they know it's not going to be truly what's going to be the best thing for the job. I really enjoy this topic and I feel like we don't do this very often and we need to do it more often, but I truly want to hear feedback from anyone listening to us right now. I want to hear your stories about maybe disaster stories of times where, you know, you wanted, you had a vision for something and you were really excited about it, but because you didn't have the creative freedom that you want, your project got smashed. And I also want to hear about your success stories times where you had total freedom to work on something and also feel free to like share us share links with us to projects that you've worked on things that you're proud of especially as we're if you're listening to this in real time uh, nearing the end of the year I feel like we don't really get looks at at what people are doing very often and I personally would love to see yeah that just for the record 100% of our audience in our Instagram poll um, say that they do not consume content on IGTV. Unofficial, you know, polls still up for a while. So there's time. Go to the polls, guys. Vote. Yes. When this when this episode airs, we'll rerun the poll and do it it again. (laughs) No, just just you can do you can do do a write in. Send me a a calendar invite to remember to do that post again. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. Did a lot of people vote? Just one. Oh. <laughs> That's public relations right there. 100% of the vote. <laughs> the results are in. Yes, the results are in. And well, you should have said vote. results. I, all I said was we, there was still time to take the poll that I don't understand how anyone doesn't see it the way I see it. And maybe that's like, you know, the Beethoven effect where it's like, you know, he's just a marvel and like, how come nobody else does it the way he does it? And like, you're comparing but, yourself to Beethoven. I think I am. Yes. Yeah, I think I am. All right, well, let me know when your symphony is done. <laughs> that seems like a lot of work. 